Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC. I'm sitting here with a good friend of mine and trusted source I look to for insights on what's happening in transformation in our city when it comes to healthcare. Welcome, Rohit. Thanks very much, Tyler. Good to be here. I'm sitting with Rohit Joshi. He's the CEO and co-founder of Bright Squid. Give us a quick, what is, what is Bright Squid and uh, what, what's, your, what's your guys' role in the world? Sure. Um, so we do secure communications that have been specifically built for the healthcare systems. And so um, secure communications look and feel a lot like email, um, but have the rigor that's required for medical grade, um, which in many cases is, is, is far beyond what people would normally expect to see uh, from a system. And so, okay. yeah, and so, so these, in order to, to, to transform healthcare uh, from our perspective, one of the key elements is better communication between uh, people, uh, between healthcare providers and their patients, and between healthcare providers. And so we spend a lot of time thinking. So about you that. guys simply put, uh, not to oversimplify, it seems like you guys are a tech company who looked at a problem in a certain sector being healthcare and said, okay, if we're going to change anything, we've got to start with creating a secure backbone so we meet the compliance of this industry. Right. Is that yeah. an oversimplification? Or? No, no, I think that that's absolutely correct. The biggest challenge we found was how do people, uh, how, how do health providers share information about a patient? And uh, when we looked at that problem, um, it's, it's mystifyingly simple. It is the fax machine. And in the rest of the world where the fax machine really doesn't exist, it's alive and well in, in healthcare. And when you say alive and well, rest of the world, is that, is that a Canadian specific phenomenon? Not at all. Okay. So up until last year, the largest purchaser of fax machines was the national health service of the UK. That's, that's blows my mind on so in many levels in the world, the largest. And now, now what they did last starting in 2018 was they said, the first thing is no more purchasing of fax machines. And then by the end of 2018... Um, Let's uh, cut off your supply. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to... You're going to go on some hard detox right now in the fax machine <laughs> detox program. Totally. <laughs> cut off the supply. And then they, they put in a program which uh, you know, got a lot of traction in the UK because they mandated it. It was called Axe to Fax. And as a marketer, I love it. Done. I mean, yeah, totally. Sold. Yeah. Hashtag X. <laughs> it rhymes. It's, it's like two words. It's perfect. And, uh, and, and that started down this road of getting rid of fax machines in the UK. This is a global issue. That's really interesting. That's so interesting. So this isn't Canadian. This no. isn't, even you look at the US, more private fund, it's completely different, but yet still it's the backbone. It's the backbone there. Because yeah. the security or the trustworthiness of the fax machine, and it's the way we've always done it. It's it and and unfortunately, you know, when we look at the healthcare system, um, I can genuinely tell you that people are stressed and taxed. There's not a lot of people sitting in the back room, dreaming up new ideas because there are, there is so much day to day to day. Um, and and listen, the consequences of a broken system are so large that it keeps people rooted in in their existence, uh, in in their current way of doing things. And so, if we say hey, we're going to get rid of that fax machine. Um, I can tell you, having had that experience, that it's, it's a massive challenge because people are so connected to the fact that it's reliable. Now, I use that word with air quotes. Yes. <laughs> because you, you can't see on the air, but yes. <laughs> um, because the challenge, and in, in, in some of our key uh, um, advisors, um, there's case after case after case where the loss of a fax or the poor operation of a fax or the lack of traceability of fax has led to patient deaths. Here in Alberta, 
in Canada and around the world. That's about as real as it gets right there. It's absolutely, you know, so when we talk about reliability, the reason I use air quotes is because it isn't, but it's the best that we've got. Or the best that people think we've got is maybe a better way of putting it. Okay, okay. And change is such a real thing when you talk about, you know, the theme of the show is transformation, the economic transformation in Calgary. And when you talk about the healthcare, you can't, we're not talking about it as from a Calgary perspective or an Alberta perspective. This is a much broader issue. Yeah, and and let's let's call it what it is, put a name on it. It's it's, it's a broader crisis. Interesting. I mean, if we look at it from a Canadian perspective... Um, 40 to 45% of every provincial budget is dedicated to spending it on healthcare. So this is a 40 to 45% yeah. of the budget provincially is dedicated to healthcare. 20 plus billion dollars a year. And again, the 20 plus billion, I don't even know, like I can't put my head around yeah, that. Yeah. But when you start talking about, I have a dollar and 45% of that dollar is going to this specific thing, yeah. you can bring that down. 20 billion is a great big number, but right. who can put their hand around that? Yeah, no question. 45, 40 to 45%. That's yeah. very real. It's a, it's a real number. And growing, that, I'm assuming, based on well, everything and, you hear. Yeah, based on everything, based on the rising costs of care, based on an aging population. We are destined for a greater crisis than we have right now. And, and so, you know, one of the reasons we really are passionate about our place because, you know, this, this is a, listen, it's a great technology. There's lots of interesting things that we can do with the technology, but the outcomes are, you know, on the one hand, saving patient lives. On the next hand is um, um, reducing the costs over all of the system. And as part of that um, amazing opportunity, we're also helping providers achieve their goals better. And so if, right. we, if, if we're look, sitting back and saying, how are we going to help patients, help the system, help, help health care providers do their job easier, better, faster, cheaper, man, uh, like it comes down in my view, the, the, the first piece of that puzzle is secure communications. Interesting at the root of it. And so when you think of transformation and you think of change, oftentimes something has to be painful enough. I'm just going to, I'm going to rewind Calgary five years ago. Yeah. We're rolling. Things are doing yeah. great. Yeah. I know lots of guys, leaders, executives, oil and gas companies like, well, you know, I could focus on efficiencies, but I'm making so much money. I don't need to. So when you think about what's happening in Calgary over the, you know, because this is Calgary centric, even though we're talking about a global challenge, has the downturn or has the change in our, in our provincial fortunes, has that put any more pressure on the need to change and find efficiencies in our healthcare system of trying to drive costs out without just, I'm going to be blunt, without just laying people off? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's question. kind of been the approach. Like, oh, let's cut costs by getting rid of people. But then you don't, those other, those other stakeholder groups that you talked about aren't benefiting from that, from layoffs. Yeah. And, and, and it should. I'd say we're still early enough in sort of the, with the new provincial uh, government's mandate. Yes. It still is early days. It's early days. We're about to hear about significant changes. Uh, there should be a report coming up. In the middle of uh, January, okay, where we're going to start seeing um, some of the approaches that that this government's going to take. Um, I can I can forecast a little bit because what we've seen we've we've spent quite a bit of time in Ontario, and mm-hmm. they're about a year ahead of us. If you think about the, the province and how their provincial interesting, uh, okay, and and yeah, where they are in their cycle exactly where Be- they are before the cycle. next four the next round comes yeah and and so in taking cues from Ontario I can tell you that our biggest opportunities and this saddens me actually but our biggest opportunities are in Ontario right now 
Oh, okay. Uh, because people are trying to figure it out. But hey, uh, saddens. They're a year ahead. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm now thinking of, well, hey, you go try those. You go try that over yeah. there. And a year from now, I'm going to come to you and you're going to tell me all the things you've learned. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for positives here. Totally. No, but no, no I, I appreciate what you're saying. No, and and and, and so we've spent um, you know quite a bit of time working in, in the Ontario environment because people are looking for change. They're having to think differently. Okay. They're having to look for how do we make the system more efficient uh, across uh, different um, providers. So, you know, as, as opposed to looking at, they're trying to very much to be patient-centric rather than provider-centric. And that's one of the traps of healthcare. Oh, that's, okay, that's interesting. And so when we look at what's happening in Ontario, they, let, let's see how it executes in Ontario. But, but, but their approach is, how are we going to consolidate patient care using the health team? And the health team includes a physician, a specialist, or sort of family practice, uh, a specialist, hospital care, long-term care, um, a chiropractor, a dentist, a mental health provider. It's kind of your health pit crew, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and um, you know, the listeners will be surprised to know that right now, those systems don't talk to one another. Yes, I think you're right. We, we can't... It's hard to fathom that because it just doesn't make sense that it doesn't. Correct. But if you've been through the system, you've talked to anyone who's had a health crisis. I had recently a very close friend of mine had a health crisis, got through the triage portion, and then all of a sudden the door was closed. They're like, well, if you want to talk to a doctor, you just have to come sit and emerge again. He's like, you mean I just went through this traumatic experience? I was in the hospital for three days. And all of a sudden he goes back and then that that attending physician didn't know what his system, he had to try to... So now you're trying to articulate something you don't really understand. Yeah. And you're back on your heels because you're in a health crisis. And just, and you know... you. I'm very fortunate that I'm healthy. I haven't had to experience it, but as I'm getting older and have aging parents, I'm seeing it more, and it's it's scary as hell. It, it really is, uh, and and the experience that you've had or your friends had is not unique. You know, I, I look at referrals um, that have been given for me uh, or my children, and it's it's uh, not a get the referral and then everything's going to be fine. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've followed up with has that referral actually been been sent right i have not been contacted is it sitting on the floor of the fax machine room? Is it, yeah or 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 did it just end up on a pile that's never been looked at right and so because it, everyone's overwhelmed everyone's overwhelmed. and overworked because you're you know as 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 people who run companies you've got to pull yourself away to get those 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 blue sky moments yeah but you know not this is a bad term to use but when you're in triage mode every day which they are it's which really are. hard to think about the future because you're yeah. just surviving the day and yeah. providing the best care you can in the moment Totally. And if you look at, you know, from a, from a family practice perspective, you know, you walk into a waiting room and it's full. Yes. It's not like the doctor sitting in back having coffee uh, and, and the business owner is, is in back thinking about how to make his practice more efficient. Yeah. This is with a, his feet up, I the whiteboard, yeah. just, dream, <laughs> oh, just, just dreaming just with, you know, not under fluorescent <laughs> lights, not in a, anyways, yeah. yes, absolutely. You know yes. So, so their day To be is, empathetic to that situation, like it's easy to criticize it, but we it, have to have empathy for it. We have to build that into how are we going to expect that person to change? Because I think unless we understand the psyche of that individual... Um, and and the and their own crisis of having a wait, waiting room full and trying to spend send information to specialists and deliver better care for their patient. And the specialist on the other side seeing the same crisis, right. seeing you know year long eighteen month waiting periods. That that doctor won't see that patient for a year and a half in some scenarios. And if you can imagine that as a as a person who's entered the profession to really try to provide you know a uh, a better care for a patient. It's a challenge any which way you look at it. 
Interesting. Cause every, everybody is, it's not like it's really working out for one group and then not working out for another. No. If you just look at putting all the stakeholders around the table, whether you're, you're practitioner centric or customer centric or system centric, right. it's, it's, it's breaking all over the place. It, it, and I think that's the best way to kind of look at the, the, the magnitude of the problem. And, and so the challenge that we all get into when we look at the magnitude of the problem is, is it's too big. You know, of course. That, it's that the, 20, is, the 20 billion. What do I even do with that number? Annually. Yeah, <laughs> smack, smack, smack. What do I do with that with that number? Yeah. But when you think, so it's fine. I've been talking to a lot of people on collisions, and I haven't talked to anybody besides yourself. You're the first one. I think by design, that why I got to, wanted to get you on so badly. No one's talking about disrupt. We're disrupting supply chain. We're disrupting mm-hmm. oil and gas. We're coming up with new, you know, virtual reality technology to do walk arounds of of well site equipment up in the field. No one's talking about disrupting healthcare. Is it because it's just too daunting? It's too daunting, and the, and the and the crisis of change carries with it the risk of change. Mm, interesting, right? And so, risk meaning risk meaning a patient could die. Yes, back so, to back to the root cause of back to the, yeah. Right. Okay, and so when we look at software like ours that's meant to transmit critical patient information, I mean, years and years of certifications um, in the U.S. in Canada to make sure that our system was so reliable, more reliable than Google's email. We have to be better than Google in order to make sure that we can carry medical data because we can't do it with Google. Interesting. You can't use Gmail to manage. It just sets a little bit of scope of like, yeah, the challenge is that big. And you're probably not going to be advertising to those doctors on those emails either, but that's another story. Clarify what your business, what your desired yeah, yeah, outcome yeah. is versus what their desired outcome is. Exactly. Not, it, to, not it, to talk about Big Brother too much. No, here, and but. listen, I use Gmail every day. Yes. I'm not, I'm as not do that. we. We're, we're a Google-based <laughs> shop as well. Absolutely. Um, but, but not good enough is, is a common refrain when we look at other technologies for, for the medical world. And if the crisis or, or if the challenge is that we have to reduce... The, the, the risk for the patient, we have to show how we're better than a fax machine. Interesting. Or we're more reliable than a fax machine. We can transfer more images with better resolution than a fax machine. And on the other hand, we have to be more reliable and more secure than Gmail. Because unless we can manage all of that, we, don't ha- we, we have no standing right. in front of the people that, that we want. To actually use our systems, it's kind of that old joke. No one gets fired for choosing IBM. Yeah, you know, no one gets sued for using a fax machine. Yeah, yeah, no, that. That's oh, exactly you used it. a new technology and something went wrong. Well, then immediately yeah. there's 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 a there's a culprit. Yeah, is it is the litigious side or the the risk aversion side for the realities of of, of human suffering? Like for mm-hmm. sure, that's a real risk. But I'm assuming that is also what locks a lot of this fear of change in place. There is, and 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 part of the challenge is uh, poor attempts. Um, at trying to get get into electronic communication, have been where there's been some fails. Yeah, there've been some uh, fails, right? And so, of course, there has. <laughs> and and class action lawsuits as a result of them. Yes. And um, you know, in Canada, we've got one uh, with uh, an organization called Life Labs, which um, two weeks ago, I think now, uh, released revealed the fact that they had ransomware hit their servers, and potentially, you know, millions of patient's data is now available to hackers. And and so those to me are failed attempts at security, failed attempts right. at trying to get the public um, to, uh, uh, to believe that we have secure alternatives. Because if an organization like Life Labs can do it, 
then shouldn't that also, uh, doesn't that restrict us from doing more? Uh, 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 it's so interesting. And it's right. interesting when you talk to texts, you know, some of the feedback I've got from some, from tech startups I've talked about that, you know, why they believed that they've had challenges breaking into the oil and gas sector, because that's a world that like failure isn't an option because, mm-hmm. you know, you've got hundreds of millions of dollars on the table and also people can die. Sure. But then you talk to tech startups, they're like, well, we just fail so, like in sequentially and learn a little bit and keep refailing, but learning every time that doesn't fly no, in what you're talking about. No. So it's more similar than to maybe some of what this mindset has been in Calgary. And again, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, not saying it is or it isn't around like, well, no, we can't just see if it works when we're building a, a you know, a new, a new facility because it could blow up. Yeah. And there's no trial and error here, yeah. guys. We need to get this right the first time. You're so correct. Right. You know, like, We've we've all read you know lean startups and 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 the books around how startups need to occur, which is incremental change over a long period of time, which meaning sequential failures and learning. Yeah, exactly. And um, and there is no uh, opportunity to do that in a commercial uh, in, while commercializing uh, um, uh, technologies for healthcare. And so it's it's kind of the unstartup or the unlean startup in the sense that you still need those cycles, but they can't ever commercialize until you've got a system that's so rigorous that you can guarantee that if that system is unavailable, that it won't harm patient safety. Well, it comes back to the do, do, first do no harm. Do no harm, yeah. So, and you and, guys have been 11 years working on this project? Yeah, well, it feels like, it feels like a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but officially we started in... I, 11 years, it's a lifetime. <laughs> 2009, right? Your, your so, beard was black and full like, yeah. 10 years ago. <laughs> As we both sit here a little great. Anyways, that's so, so interesting how just... I love drawing parallels, and, yeah. which is the whole point of collisions of how do we look at over here and go, wow, we should just be like running forward, failing as much as we can. Well, that doesn't fly in some industries. No. So more in line with some of the feedback I've heard from you know large enterprise, especially enterprise level oil and gas, where that kind of risk isn't acceptable because right. the consequences from loss, from loss of life, get more similar. Yeah. When I'm kind of when I'm trying to come up with some innovative health and fitness, you know, solution on my app, well, I can make a move mistake again, not with people's data. So let's yeah. let's put that in a criteria over here. But I'm a bunch of devs that I'm trying and failing and learning and you know throwing Nerf balls around the office. No one wants to see that if you have my health data. That's exactly it. I don't yeah. want. I don't want that. And and if that health data is critical in your care and it's being communicated to a provider who's the next, you know, part of the relay. Yes. Right. If you look at health, it is a relay, relay race, right? right? Passing the. So this is the. But this is this super secure baton that you're Correct. moving around. Yeah, and that's a great visual to think through, right? Um, because the other thing that systems that 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 are created in healthcare need to be able to do is, if the systems um, need to alert. Or uh, if the system, for example, if an email goes unanswered, how do systems alert to the fact that, hey, this guy needs care and you have not responded? Here's, here's a problem that is waiting to uh, you know, emerge and uh, there has to be some criterion under what are acceptable wait times. For that email to get responded to. So interesting. You guys start wading into the world of almost workflow management yeah. for care. Yeah. Which is a whole, I would say, from a core comp perspective, that's a very different criteria. It is. But is it, am I just doing emails and that's it? Or am I actually putting some, like what you're talking about is intelligence. Yeah. Some criteria, some workflow. Correct. That feels very different. It is. And, and, and so we've, we've, we've built some systems, but, but it really where, where we've gone with our own company is a, a program called Hatch that we've recently launched um, in, in Calgary. And, and that program is really meant to let other experts who do know workflow better, who, oh, do have, I see. Okay. who do have sort of key insights into a particular uh, um, uh, healthcare program, 
let them use our secure communications as a backbone to allow them to innovate in all of those directions because we can't keep up. If, right. You know what we've learned. Well, the, the need is greater than your capacity. The need is greater than absolutely than our capacity. Yeah. And and the first cohort of companies that we've sort of uh, are working with now illustrate that better than better than we could ever illustrate that. We've got we've got companies that are working with um, trying to remind patients to come back into the practice. We've got other companies that are interested in helping patients organize their data. We've got another company that's interested in in helping. Um, uh, a family practice diagnose ear issues, you know, through some technology. So it's highly, because there's so much specificity in health because it's, it's that narrow and really, really deep in terms of expertise. Yeah. So, so when, when we look at ourselves, we've probably re- released a great utility, which That's is interesting. secure communication. Well, what a, what a, what a you know, compliment to you for how many case studies have we all read about the company that got really good at the thing and went, hey, maybe other people can yeah. benefit from the, the thing and wh- whatever it may be, but really truly capitalizing on, on what is your core competency, which is this backbone system. Yeah, and, and the compliance and, and the, uh, you know, the regulatory nature of all of that, privacy and otherwise, and let the other companies innovate because they're going to be- In their specific areas. In their specific narrow- uh, um, workflow, as you mentioned it, or in their specific insight, okay, relative to a patient health issue. Yeah, right down to specific care of a yeah. of, of a you know ear, nose, and throat, or whatever exactly. whatever it might be. Yeah. Back to the specialist problem. Yeah, anyone who's tried to get in with a specialist, twelve to eighteen months. Yeah, that's that's kind of the number. Yeah, that's so interesting. And a blatant plug for anyone who hasn't, please go back and check out an episode of Current and Critical where we talked about the OSIF funding that you receive specifically for the Hatch Initiative. So from something we're doing, quote unquote, you know, part of one of the questions we like to talk about, you know, what is transformation? We're talking about it a little bit broadly, but what are we doing? What are we doing right? We talked before, there wasn't a program like this. And the fact that we're bringing that into Calgary, to me, that's a huge sign. Yeah. Like that's, I love as many flags as I can fly about Calgary oh, and yeah, why, it's, why, why it's amazing. I'm a huge <laughs> raving fan of the city. Part of why I do this podcast. So as far as doing it right and having OSIF support that, I would say that would be in the, in the check, in the doing it right category. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and OSIF in the process, um, you know, one of the big five was doing a market survey to say, okay, uh, we're, we're, let's find out if this has been offered elsewhere. Um, and couldn't find a parallel offering. It's too good to be, like, North, how, yeah. how did you guys come up with this? Exactly. It's too, too good of an idea. Yeah. That's a compliment at the same time, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. That's the way I look at it. Yes, I, I and, think that's the best way. And, and they couldn't find another system like it um, in North America because that's where their search was. And so, so that's part of why we're getting interest from not just other places in Canada, but, but in North America. To, look, to, to, to have people build upon the secure backbone that we've created. Do you get any, how the heck are you guys in Calgary? Do you get that? All the time. Yeah. Mostly from people in <laughs> okay. Toronto. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll go down that route. That's, I'd be curious because it, 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 feels, it feels like a bit of an outlier, but yeah. that's what we need is we these do. outliers. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, for sure. So when you go, as you go forward and obviously you've got your main drive around Bright Squid and you've got this, you know, hatches, is that an initiative? Yeah, it's, uh, I, would, I would call it a program. business division. A business point. division. Okay. Yeah. Do you see it as running alongside or do you see it kind of getting its own? Or it's, it's early days. Like we're, yeah. fast forward a couple of years down the road and I guess uh, in, in perfect conditions, where do you see it going? Uh, so I sort of see uh, a couple of things. One is our flagship product on the Bright Squid side is um, Secure uh, Mail is the name of the product. And it's, it looks and feels like email, but it's everything but. Okay. Um, and, and connected to that is strong privacy services because we found those two things to be very closely linked. Um, well, the problem and the risk tied together, right? Totally. 
exactly. And so, and so where I see that being is an app on the Hatch um, app store. Ah, okay. Right? So, so we're actually taking our flagship product and putting that as an application that's available to anybody who's using the backbone. So, you know, the analogy that we, we that I've, you know, and I'm sure there's going to be challenge around this, but, um, but if we look at uh, Google uh, versus uh, Google and Apple, really, versus BlackBerry. Okay. You know, we used to have this great company in Canada called BlackBerry. We did. And, and they had the most secure communication system ever. And I'm very clear about that. So when you saw heads of state carrying around Blackberries, right? Exactly. And they still do, by the way. Yes, I I thought that was the case. Now, where in the analysis of what happened with Blackberry, you can you can you can dig through a a bunch of reasons why they had challenges. When when we look at that problem, we say they never got traction with apps. There was no app developers that were creating for the Blackberry platform. They were creating for Apple because it was easier. It was easier. It was open. Yeah. The, the technology was built specifically to allow application development on top of it. Right. But because of the intense security on the BlackBerry side, they kept that door closed. Is that not to oversimplify? I'm getting way out of my depth here. No, on, no, no. On I, I, I don't think it was that. Okay. I actually think that it was it was the business orientation. Okay. It just wasn't our focus. It wasn't their focus, and um, and they liked having sort of the pedestal of the, the securest communication. Yeah. Um, we've taken that and, and looked at it and said, we can do better. And, and why don't we open up our secure communication by design for apps? And so, so we're taking, you know, the success of Apple and Google and thinking that, you know, the communication platform is important, but it's not going to adhere people to a system, right? Uh, I mean, if all it is, and, and BlackBerry is the example, if all it is is secure communication, it's not going to make it. It's not enough. It's not enough. People want their mm. diabetic app. You know, people are going to be looking for their ear, nose, throat app. People are going to look for their application that organizes their data better. And I would say more than ever, as we take more control, as we're more empowered, yeah, 100%. whether it's the buyer journey or the self-empowered health journey, I think people taking a little bit more responsibility of their own health is a win. Absolutely. So and, you want them to have those apps. Yep. Yeah, and you and, want them to be part of the ecosystem. And they need to be part of the ecosystem so that they can take their, you know, data from their health watch or from their diabetic app and now send that to their physician as a key criterion for how they want to get treated. It's interesting. A friend of mine just suffered a severe neck injury and she bought this little um, EKG monitor to little put her fingers on it. Mm-hmm. And she goes, yeah, and now I can just send it to my doctor. Hmm. So I don't know what backbone that's on. But hmm. when she said it to me, it didn't even cross my mind. So I'm like, well, of course that should be the way it is. But I'm like, oh, now that I'm listening, I'm like, oh, wait a second. Is that secure? What's happening there? How is that happening? You bought this online for $90 and you got an app. Like what's actually going on? Yeah, I so, know yeah, you're shaking your no, head. And, I, and but I, I thought nothing of it because it yeah. just made sense. Totally. And I'm like, oh, I don't care if someone Someone sees my, but when, so, so yeah. let me. Oh wow! Sorry, I just having. I had a moment. I had a moment. <laughs> let me let, let me tell you the steps that are going to have to happen for that to, to for that to occur. The first is that um, the the patient is obviously going to be tracking and have a, has a supreme self interest in making sure that they've got the right data. So that we're going to say every patient is in that camp. The next is they've got to find a way of transmitting that data to their physician. Remember the the physician has thousands of patients. So is the expectation that the, patient, that the physician is now going to log into your data in their six minutes or seven minutes that they've got to see you, log into yours before you arrive and have some sort of a, 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 a discussion with you about your data? I think that basic presumption is off. 
Okay. They're not going to log into. Because we're thinking about it like this one-on-one relationship, yeah. and that's unfortunately not. No, the waiting is. rooms are full. Yes. And the it's, guy sitting in the chair in front of me is going to be more important than taking my free time and looking at your health. Of course. Day, right. And so, so one of the key thinking, and by the way, there's also a medical legal implication. So if the physician makes some sort of a medical judgment based on data you've provided without having that integrated into the system that they've got, that's a big problem. Right. Cause now he's going outside. The- he's, yeah. So he's, first of all, he's not incented to log in because he doesn't have the time. And the second is that, um, you know, if, if it isn't in front of them in the same format, that says, okay, here's last time's blood work, here's last year's EKG, here's the medication that patient is on, and here's their self-reported data. If it's not in that frame, I think there's a medical legal issue. So although excellent for your, for your friend to have this type of data available to them, does it actually find its way in? One of the key integrations that we did was actually to those systems that sit in front of, uh, uh, of that physician. So any of the data that's coming through us or our health apps goes, integrates directly into that same view. It's a massive, massive step. Um, and because, because it's familiar, it's trusted, it's consistent. Yeah, and... and it limits available. my liability, it does all those things. Totally, and for my 2,000 patients or 1,500 patients that I'm used to seeing, I still am looking at the same image for that patient the same patient well, it's record. actually arguably it's the only way it can work because it's, it's still a human like yeah. there's still a human yes doctors are sometimes superhuman yeah. but it's still a human who can so only human. process things in a certain right. way and, and familiarity and, and consistency is key for and, vo- and to, if, to manage volume yeah and and if i'm logging into your diabetic app and her cardiac app and someone else's app over here man it's it's impossible to think through well it's done it's done before it starts yeah, because the, the the requirement for abstract conclusions and ins because really what you want from the doctor is the insights based on the data right totally. and how do i infer all of this data yeah, into provided in context oh in four minutes that. or less or whatever yeah, time frame exactly. i have when i maybe have to go to the bathroom and grab a half a sandwich right, <laughs> just right. to get exactly. through just to get through my day yeah so back to the business side a little sure. bit so i can i'm so curious about i guess that's part of the how because it's something we all know about and we've all been part of but i think we don't really know what's going yeah. on you know and that makes it easy to be i'll be blunt be ignorant yeah. oh the healthcare system should be this and it should fix that we know not of what we speak most right. of the time, I would say. And that's okay. I, res- I respect that. When it comes to your own business, what's it been like for staffing? Is it a bunch? Do you have a team of developers as well as healthcare experts? Like You sound like you really need to have two sides of this yeah. coin. Yeah. And so um, we, of course, have the development and the marketing and the sales arms. Yes. Um, those are critical and key. Um, for the medical advice, uh, and, and actually because we're dealing with um, all health providers, We've actually got a lot of uh, advisors in dental as well. Yeah, it feels so like we, a good advisory board required exactly. here, and and that's been that's been uh, really one of the saving opportunities is because we get to I get to call them and say we're thinking about this. How are you hearing that physician, or how does that come across to you, doctor dentist? And and because I can rely on my advisory board to give me some pretty honest feedback, I'm more often than wrong, uh, more often than not wrong about their perception because what they so hear easy is, to make assumptions, right? Yeah, what they are, what they hear is, oh no, another technology. The last time I did this, I was promised it was going to reduce my wait time. I thought I, I was already promised that it was going to make my life better, and instead, it's actually just created more overwhelm. And and so so 
providing that context for my advisory board has been critical. Well, you guys are doing the most critical thing. You're not sitting in a little, in a bubble thinking you've got the best solution without going out and talk to the user. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so yeah. easy to do. And that's been advice I've got from multiple people on the show. Yeah. Hey, what would you do? What would you recommend startups? Don't wait too long. Go yeah. to, what is it? What did I read the other day? I forget who it was. Salesforce. Somebody said, it was like, if you're, if you're proud of your first prototype, a prototype, you waited too long to release it. Yeah. <laughs> you should be perfect. slightly embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in your case, you don't have that option because of the risk factor. So and this again, is the other this is the dichotomy right? again. Exactly. Right. How do you help? brand new startups in solving patient critical problems. It's, it's, it's a big dichotomy. Because what the mindset they need to be successful with their startup philosophy immediately is contradictory to the world they're trying to lean into. Exactly. Hence, hence Hatch. Yep. And, and they're not spending the millions that we happen to spend on compliance and regulatory. Arguably, they can't. They can't. And why would each one of them do that? It yeah. actually breaks the process. Totally. You've got to give them, you've got to kind of grease the wheel a little bit is what, yeah. you, what you guys are doing to let yeah, that yeah. happen. So as far as talent, um, is, is your talent here in Calgary? Um, we've got uh, talent in Calgary and in Toronto. Okay. Um, we had uh, in the past a bigger team in India and uh, um, uh, people in Brazil as well. Okay, interesting. So um, global talent. Uh, yep, a, glo- a global talent pool, global problem. Has anything being in Calgary, access to talent, access to resources, has that held you back in any way? Um, I would say that uh, now we are trying to hire. Okay. Um, and it Good. Is, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> many and, friends. Yeah. And, and actually, it's, it's a huge challenge. Uh, you know, the, I'm hearing that for everybody, so I was curious. You guys yeah. being so specialized, too, of the world you're playing in? Yeah. We, we, we're, we're very, very narrow and are searching for people with um, healthcare background or fintech. You know, uh, because those systems are looking highly for regulated. who's highly regulated, right? Yeah. And and so we have had our challenge. Uh, you know, more than once, people haven't shown up for interviews because they've got a job. You know, they're ghosting us. Um, and uh, uh, and and in some cases, we've said, okay, great, you've passed the first interview. We'll see you next week for the second one. And by that point, they're already hired. Just because there's such a such a such a gap in that kind of talent. Yeah. And these are and these are developers and like yes. primarily techno like real deep technology. Senior based. senior devs. Senior yep. devs. Um, and 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 so that's a huge challenge for us. I think one thing we have got going for us is that our mission and purpose is so real and so important that um, people you know are are devs. Um, are very interested. It's not often that a dev can actually engage in saving patient lives. Um, that is an absolutely, that, there's nothing more real than that as a purpose. Yeah. And, and so when, when we're searching for devs, I think we get a lot of opportunity to look at, uh, to look at senior team members because they've burned out of just doing regular work for companies that don't have a larger mission right and which so, i would argue which i would think would be also would attract young but also older and people that you yeah. know i've kind of been there i've done the you know day in day out startup with the potentially big exit or whatever the fantasy is of what can happen yeah. there and now doing something where i could have that but a sense of purpose as well and I, there's article after article being written about the need for purpose in organizations yeah. and i think yours we, is inherently baked into your model it's it's baked into the model and 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 even now with more so with with the hatch program where you're not just helping our system uh, um, reach new heights. You're also helping a whole bunch of startups get commercialized their technologies. That's such an interesting. So from a timeline perspective, do you have views of when you see, and I know maybe this is a crystal ball question, some of those companies that you're now working with in the Hatch program, like coming to fruition or reaching a major milestone for them? Do you guys have timelines when you bring them on board? Like- yeah. And, and, and so, um, so the program has started for the first cohort. And, um, congrats. Thanks. Thanks. The graduation will be just after the summer. 
of those. Okay, so there are set periods of time. There are. So it is it is a pro, it's program based. It's a program based. Okay, and 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 the first um, you know twelve weeks is training. You know, here's what privacy laws um, mean. You know, here's the ones you have to be careful about. Here's the the you know here's the approach that you need to do in in assessing your own risk with the data that you're housing, and on and on and on. So that's like twelve weeks of work, and that's why it's a little more staged. Yes, because of that. that makes sense. Um, right, because you have to understand the operating system before you can start yeah. having flexibility within it. Right, and and uh, because we're at the conclusion of it, giving access to the health systems, um, it's important that they have that level of rigor baked into them. Right. Um, so, you know, apart from them uh, learning the challenges, the idea is that they now go back and if there's code refracting that has to occur to meet the challenge of healthcare, they should do that during the week break or two week break, okay. whatever that session is. At the conclusion of that session, um, they now get to publish on our app store. And we've got tens of thousands of providers, of healthcare providers, and tens of thousands, also, I can think about 100,000 patients that are on it now. So immediately, those apps now can be downloaded and used by people in the health, within the health profession and by patients. What an amazing opportunity for them that listening to you talk just wouldn't really have existed otherwise. Yeah. Just yeah, wouldn't be there. It, it wouldn't. And, and we've built the program out of our own frustrations, you know, um, uh, around the hurdles that it took us to well, get Well, it's a true market. entrepreneurial story. Yeah, yeah. You had the idea, you saw the opportunity, then you've struggled through all the things that kept you from solving the problem yeah. that you wanted to solve. Yeah, and now we're trying to lower that barrier for everybody else so they can solve it quicker. Interesting. And I loved what you said, uh, you know, again, I think this is uncurrent and critical about the, this isn't just for Calgary-based companies, this is global. This is, it's, you're getting interest yeah. from all over the world, which I think is really, to me, puts Calgary on the map of like, wow, this is because I think there's an easy story of like, this is happening where in yeah. Calgary? Yeah. You know, what's a Calgary? I've heard that joke thrown around before. Yeah. <laughs> are you guys getting, when you talk to companies and I guess, how are companies starting to hear about you? Like, how are you getting the word out as a Calgary-based organization? So so initially, you know, we we didn't expect uh, as much interest as, as we've, we've been getting. That's a success problem. Yeah, it's a success problem. So, so even, you know, yesterday I was pulled into a meeting, um, that was, uh, unexpected for me, which was a new company that's trying to bring their healthcare product to market and really looking for some direction and an opportunity to join a cohort that's happening on a weekly basis with us now. Um, and it's really exciting. It's, it's, it's very exciting. And the interest, like I said, isn't just from Calgary companies that would be, that would be great in and of itself. Yes. It's from companies that are willing to come to Calgary for the program. Well, um, I think this all contributes to the story of what is a Calgary. Oh, it's an oil yeah. and gas town. Well, actually, no. no There's yeah. these other things because you, you, the story you know about a place is the experience you have. It's as totally. simple as that. Yeah. You go on vacation and it's sunny, you have a fond memory of that place. You go, yeah, it was yeah. raining. <laughs> but I hate going out. I never want to go back to Munich. It rained for three days. That was just a window in time. But if you, you've been to Calgary 10 years ago and all you know is, you know, I travel a lot. Oh, Stampede. That's what everyone knows Calgary totally, for. Totally, yeah. But getting known for innovation, startup, uh, health, like healthcare innovation, those things are really powerful. Mm-hmm. So I think you guys are. It's such a secondary benefit to the retelling the Calgary story. Yeah, and and it's something that we you know are are, are grateful for. You know, we've had a great relationship with Economic Development Calgary, um, and and they are continuing to drive more companies to us. We we um, so that's one of your yes yeah, one of your channels. Yeah, one of our channels. Uh, so they've that's they've great. been um, bringing companies to us, but but the exposure that we've had um, is partially related to you know receiving the OSIF grant in Calgary. And and that has driven you know media attention from Beta Kit, which is one of the 
the, the technology um, uh, spots that people look to for new ideas. And, um, and that's helped. So we're getting lots of interest. Um, I'm excited about the opportunity to, to do this in Calgary uh, because, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of reasons for Calgary. But that's um, you know home and yes. Uh, very- Sometimes that's a good that's a good enough reason, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, and and I think we're we're uh, we're we've got a great environment for people to come here and and work with us, uh, uh, and people who've been here should get the leg up. Yes, which is that's that's a great that's a fantastic story about uh, not only a, a Calgary success story and you guys have like eleven years because yeah. it feels like longer yeah. it feels like, <laughs> probably feels like it happened yesterday but also feels like it happened twenty years ago that to be and then to be able to hear the success of working with a program that was put in place like OSIF specifically designed to do this a version of this yeah. I know there's different versions of all the different check boxes on their on their key criteria list but I love the story of. This, what do you mean? This is happening in Calgary? Like, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, it is. Um, from your perspective, and not to be negative, but we always want to ask, is there things, you're involved in the ecosystem, you're hiring, you're raising funds, you're working in it. Is there anything we're not really getting right? Is there anything you think that could be pushed aside that's maybe slowing down this quote-unquote transformation or this process we're clearly on? What, where are the friction points that you see? So, I would, you know, um, our biggest challenge is being around the table. And, and, and I, I would say that that's true, not just of us, but of every innovator. Because, because we've got, you know, multi-billion dollar organizations running the health system. And there is very, very little time for organizations that are much, much, much smaller. Big works with big, small work, and, yeah, big, right. and, and small tries to work with big, kind yeah. of. And mm-hmm. so those that are funding healthcare, hmm. meaning the government, right. and those that are running healthcare, meaning, you know, the large companies... We need a bigger voice around those tables. Um, and, you know, if you take a percentage of what we spend in health, $20 billion a year in Alberta, and dedicate that towards innovation, like a small percentage would be a massive, massive change. It would allow for a massive change. But that's inherently tough because the $20 billion isn't enough. It isn't. So how do we cleave a piece off? To, exactly. To, yeah, I, I get that's back to the same challenge of if I had time to innovate, I'd be innovative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so, so I would say, you know, um, if there was okay. an opportunity to be around table with multi-billion dollar decision makers, it would be worthy of all of our times to do so. Because what we can, what we absolutely know for sure is doing what we've done for the last 15, 20 years is not going to work for the next 15 or 20. And so unless we start innovating now, 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 we're not going as in, to... Be, as in yesterday. <laughs> as in yesterday, yeah. We're not prepared for the future. And the only process that we're going to end up uh, uh, coming to is one that reduces fees. You've mentioned it before, laying people off. Right. We're going to reduce the fee codes for physicians. And, and we need to think beyond Which that. Which brings down the quality of care immediately. Absolutely. And unfortunately, has, has physicians moving to other parts of, parts of yes, the world. We've heard that story before. Right? The brain drain is real. And, uh, you know, I, I've gone to Denver uh, and met with physicians that graduated from University of Calgary. Mm-hmm. And practice a, have a have a great life. Down oh, there. I have friends in nursing that end up yeah. down in Texas. They totally. end up all you know all over the world, but not Canada. Yeah, and so if we want to make you know if we want to make reasonable and big change, the only way to do it is through you know process innovation and technology innovation, and and uh, and for that I think you know being around that table on a regular and meaningful way um, would be the biggest thing that I could ask for. 
Is there a mindset in those organizations that they need to look outside to nimble, innovative, or is because it's such a big machine, they don't look at it that way? Like, I know there is lots of instances where companies go, okay, we're going to do, we're going to set something up or we're actually going to put them in a co-working space because if you're even in our office, it's going to affect you. We're going to hold you back. Uh, you know, ATB does that with Brightside. There's a few different examples of people sure. I've had on. Does the healthcare industry do that or are they so hamstrung by this big machine that they've, that they all live in? I think there's indications of that now. Okay. You know, there's, there's, there's indications that there has to be a different way of doing things. So, um, and, and part of raising our visibility with economic development is actually to our own systems, you know, to the, to the healthcare systems that operate in Alberta. Hey, we're here. Yeah, hey, 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 there's another option. There's another option and there's, it would be best to be around the table because I, I, I guarantee it'll be worth your hour of time. Right. Um, and so there's more openness to that. I think with what's going to happen with the provincial budget and the constraint in, in, in healthcare, there's going to have to be greater and greater need right. to have us around the table. Because I think that's the only way we solve the problem. Well, you said the word crisis earlier, and that's a, that's a very real thing. This is, yeah. a, this is a health crisis. Unfortunately, we're not getting healthier. We're not getting younger. And our system's not getting more efficient. That is a, If you run those graphs out, like, yeah, no, it's not no that kidding. far. And not that I'm extrapolating no. out here as I, as I draw the visual graph in my mind. But that's, a, that's not a good end result. No, exactly. And I think people have seen the writing on the wall for years. Right. And um, to, to, to think for a second, what injecting... Some of that money back into healthcare innovation could do for our economy. It is this, across Canada, the number I've heard is $235 billion has been spent in healthcare annually. What percentage of that could be applied to health technology innovators to really dramatically change our country in terms of how do we not only innovate economically, but innovate for health tech, which has the sector benefits of better for patient, better for provider. It reduces the the, the the cost. And so when I look at that and, and think of the healthcare budget as an economic driver, it's an amazingly big opportunity to, to direct some of that back into our economy, not to support health, but to support health by supporting innovation. The ability to reduce costs, like I was talking to someone yesterday, a, a, a management consultant and the concept of reducing costs while simultaneously increasing profit. Mm. In this case, the profit is the better patient care and, and, the, and the practitioner experience while reducing costs. Like yeah. That's the upside. Yeah. This isn't about making money. It's about saving money. To the, 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 the currency is improved experience for it's all parties involved. For all parties. And meanwhile, you've injected capital into health technology companies, which have a global appeal. Yes, which then secondarily builds up this other industry, exactly. which is digital transformation, which totally. is not, it's not, it's not not happening. No. It's just where it gets to do it. Is there anywhere in the world, like when you talk about just economic and cities that have been through transformations, and there's multiple examples in the US or even across Canada, is there anywhere globally that you look to who is innovative? You talked about the UK and about making fax machines, mm-hmm. removing the, the, it's like the, the dealer taking away the supply. Is there anywhere we can look to and say, wow, they're on the right path? Yeah, um, less from a technology perspective, but more from a direction perspective. I'd look to the Netherlands. Okay. Um, and, and one of the greatest things that I've seen is, you know, the vision of having 50% fewer hospital beds in 20 years. So if you set that as your vision, imagine what that's doing in, with respect to the rest of the system in order for making that happen. And it, 
I love that. Yeah. Because my mind is immediately like, okay, well, we need to make people healthier. So we need to educate them more. We need to give them more access to solving their health problems sooner before they end up in a bed. Like my mind immediately starts solutioning in a very different way. Totally. And so, and that's the type of things we're hearing from places in Europe. Um, Because they've got the, 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 the leadership to say, our destination isn't to build bigger hospitals. It's it, our destination uh, it, to provide care. It's like having bigger band-aids, but not stopping the cut in the first place. Right. <laughs> and so, so what, we have to, what we need to think through is, how is care delivered to people in their homes? How is, how, what's a network of providers that I need as an elderly person to allow me to live in my home longer? Yes. The and whole age in place concept, which we all want. We all want that. We all want that. But, but it starts with the vision that says 50% fewer hospital beds. 20 years from now. That is it, interesting. And, and so I look to that really from a vision perspective. From a technology perspective, I would say that it's, it's a puzzle of, um, it's a puzzle. Because there's moments of brilliance um, without a system improvement that I see. Is it a puzzle or is it a mystery? <laughs> I heard the, and I was listening to what the dog saw, Malcolm Gladwell, and he talked about a puzzle. If you get enough pieces, you can see the picture. But a mystery is something very different. <laughs> it was a weird comparison. I'd never heard it. <laughs> Class awesome. of Malcolm Gladwell puts this like very benign thing, and you're like, oh my God, now I'm thinking about it 24 hours a day. Well, that's a good one. I'll yeah, have to think about that. Yeah, I don't know. Is that, if, if we get enough pieces, will the picture become clear, or is it truly a mystery? We don't know what pieces we're even missing. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know what? Um, I'm going to stick to a fact it's a puzzle. Nice. Okay. That was random. It just popped into my mind again. The Things you read, you don't realize what you retain sometimes. Uh, yeah, I, because I think if we put our minds to it, I, I absolutely believe that we don't have to invent new things. Yes, we just we, need to put the pieces together. We have to put the pieces together, and 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 part of that is inclusion, being around the right tables, being around the the, the vision of saying, you know, we're gonna we're gonna cut this from the budget, or we're going to devote this amount from the budget to this innovation plan. Yes, With that's goal. very different than the cutting mindset. It, it totally is. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, what, what the biggest challenge for me in, uh, in, in the health systems is we, we hear and, and we get very, very excited by new devices, you know, like the, you know, the, the, the best new device that's going to do something very specific. I believe that we should start measuring health outcomes by how many patients are affected. If this device, you know, this virtual surgery device is only going to affect 15 patients, I'm less, I'm less inclined to want to push that versus one that can affect millions. Right. And, and, and as, a, as a core mission statement, we look at it and say, we believe that, that the secure communication layer that we're talking about is going to affect millions and millions of patients, more than any blockbuster drug in the next five years. Right. And that keeps driving us to, to, to do better. What has the biggest potential the impact? The yeah. needs of the many outweigh the, the needs of, yeah. It's the impact that's interesting. And being able to look far enough down the road, and when you talk about governments and election cycles, it's hard for anyone to get a long enough runway before the next yeah. government comes in and makes changes. Not yeah. to, We can talk about politics and you know how much can you accomplish in a short cycle when you're mm-hmm. just not worried about getting reelected again and making those. What Let's be honest, these are hard changes. Yeah, hard, And hard scary changes. changes and risk changes that need a lot of stakeholders to buy in. And everyone going, okay, we might not get it right, but how do we minimize because the impact is patient health. Yeah, and, 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 that's and, real. and Tyler, I think you said it earlier, in the, the mindset of cutting is very different than innovating. 
Yes, reinvesting. Reinvesting, right? And so I think to to look at, you know, we're going to hear more and more about healthcare cuts, and we will continue to until there's nothing left. Right. To cut. That's an unacceptable outcome. But, but, it's, but, yeah, but that, that doesn't live. I know, I know. You're right. And so if we look at it and say, okay, it might be 40% of our budget, but it can't be any more than that. And the only way to do that, given all of the criteria that we've already talked about in terms of our aging population and, 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 the only way to do that is through some level of process and and technology innovation. That's absolutely real. And we're not on cutting edges of innovation. If you look at other places, you know, um, uh, in the U.S., uh, 40% of Kaiser Permanente's uh, uh, patient visits now um, are virtual. They're happening through secure communications. Some are video, but most are just uh, a secure email, which allows that interaction to occur without having to get that person into your office and waiting and then meeting for five minutes. And then oh, the overhead, the time, the footprint of driving to the, like everything just to do something that we take for granted in every single other aspect of our life. Totally, totally right. That's, uh, I'm excited because it feels like we're there because, yeah. because we can't not be, because <laughs> to continue be. down this path is like, yeah. okay, just again, fax machine. Yeah. And if for anyone who's listening, if you might have to go Google it, cause there's people that won't even know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> Remember what my parents had, well, what an inefficient, but if you look at that in contrast to these devices we carry in our pockets and the power yeah. that they have, and we're relying on this for our health, which, you know, arguably is the most important thing we have to worry about because you have you have wealth and you have success. If you don't have your health, you have nothing yeah, <laughs> at, yeah. the, at the end of the day. So, Rod, I take my hat off to you for the mission that you've been on and for the 11 years that you've invested. Thank you, and, Thank you very much. And it feels, I'm excited, the Hatch program, your work with OSIF, uh, bringing Calgary to light on the on, on the global stage for an innovator in, in, in a space that is almost innovation uh, inert. I think that's really, and not that they're not innovating in healthcare, but not in this way. Yeah, so totally. kudos and thank you very much for your transparency today. Tyler, it's been awesome. Thank you. My pleasure.